Welcome to the New Zealand Tech Marketers podcast, a New Zealand Tech Marketers group passion project where we interview inspiring Kiwi marketers working in some of New Zealand's leading tech brands. We are very excited for you to join us today for this episode and enjoy this interview with Michael Friedberg, who will tell you about his story. Michael is the CEO of SwayTech and a former CMO. SwayTech is a company full of tech marketing professionals on a mission to get Kiwi tech to the number one export in New Zealand. With nearly 20 years of marketing experience, Michael will talk to us about his experience in the tech sector. Thanks so much for joining us, Michael. Could you tell me a bit about your career and how you got to where you are today? Yeah, look, thanks, Brittany, and uh, fantastic to be here. Nice to be able to share my story. Um, I have an interesting story, I think. I, um, I was a bit of a late bloomer, so I went overseas, came back, did a bit of work in hospitality, and ended up running the Ducks Deluxe in Christchurch, um, became the sort of GM there, and started doing a bit of marketing, and thought this marketing thing's pretty good. And at that point, my wife was a lawyer, my then my now wife, so I thought I'd better go to university. Went to university, started a business. It was an it was a 90s sort of interactive marketing and brand. And it was at that point that I think my career kind of began to resemble a cork on the ocean. I uh, started <laughs> that company. It ran for about a year. Then we got purchased. Then the company that purchased my company got purchased, and then that company got purchased by. Um, Telecom New Zealand or Spark. And at that point, I thought, oh, okay, if I'm going to go work for a big company, let's go work for a really big, big company and joined IBM. Um, and then over 15 years, I had sort of seven or eight different roles. And, and really, those roles were very much focused around the growth parts of IBM, not the revenue. So not mm-hmm. hugely well funded, but hunts on things like SaaS and new client acquisition um, and, and growth markets offshore. So I kind of just rolled with the different roles that were offered to me. And I think it really, for me, gave me a whole lot of broad experience about dealing with lots of different parts of business product, sales and marketing, but also mm-hmm. people and cultures. And um, I think that's put me in, in kind of good stead. And I think it puts marketers in good stead as well to have kind of have had that life experience so that's what's brought me here today and then of course sorry then sway tech um and so yeah it's been an interesting an interesting transition as well yeah so talking about your ibm um experience could you just talk a little bit about some of the roles you had in there yeah look I had roles varying from cmo so i had a couple of cmo roles um i did what we called response and lead management. So I managed the teams across Asia Pacific that handled all the inbound responses off the back of marketing campaigns. So that was very interesting and sort of following up from events, et cetera. Uh, role, I did software group marketing for all of the growth markets where we took all of the co-marketing dollars and mid-market and enterprise and managed all the marketing teams across what IBM called the growth markets. So Latin America, Middle East Africa, um, Central Eastern Europe and AP. So quite, again, quite varied. And then I had a couple of other roles, digital. Um, We set up a digital business group. So I ran digital marketing for Asia Pacific and then social selling. We did a social selling program where we helped all the inside sales team build out on how to sell digitally. And again, that was a sort of hybrid sales and marketing role. So, and then uh, we did a marketplace role where we set up um, and didn't, wasn't successful, but IBM had a go at selling products on a marketplace, for those that can remember way back to something called Express Advantage. So, yeah, very varied. 
Wow, that's really impressive and quite a wide range of different things that you did there, which is really good to hear. Um, from all of those roles, what would have been your favourite? I know it's probably hard to pick one certain area, but at the time when your your career at that point, what was your favourite role in IBM and was there a reason behind that? That's a, yeah, look, there was. So I... <laughs> My Sorry, second, I put you on the spot there. No, that's all right. My <laughs> second or third role. So I think my third role in IBM, I became the head of marketing communications and citizenship in New Zealand. So almost like the sort of CMO role. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was a big role for me. That was a four years. It was probably a good stretch uh, for me at that point in my career. But of course, I stepped up and I learned a hell of a lot in that time. Yeah. I actually then did that role 10 years later. I split it. So I did that role and I did um, another role in New Zealand, in Australia. What I couldn't believe was how much I had changed and how differently I approached the same role in the 10 years. So I really enjoyed going back to that and doing that again, but also seeing, and I think at that point, I really felt like a CMO, whereas the first time around, it was my first sort of big senior role sitting on the leadership team. And, and noticing in yourself, how you approach a role, which essentially was the same. The market was different and obviously the, you know, the set of products were slightly different, but yeah, I really enjoyed that. And that uh, showed me, I think the first time, actually, this is what it means to be a CMO inside a market where you're working closely with um, all parts of the sort of marketing mix. And I guess it's one of those things that when you're working, you don't see your own professional growth, but when you actually look back and you make that comparison, yeah. You're able to yeah. see it a lot more. And I think um, I was lucky to be able to do that in the same role. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, professionally, um, so we've talked about what you've enjoyed in those roles, but what have you found the most challenging and what have you been most proud of? Which is quite a, you know, there's probably a lot of things that you're really proud of. But um, if you can yeah, I, think and see what you <laughs> come up with. I think that, you know, I was at IBM 14, 14 years, 14 and a half years, and you worry about being institutionalized at that point. You're like, you know, can I survive out? Is there life outside of IBM or any, you know, company you're in for a long time? And so I left and, and went out and did and started my own business, sort of sort of consulting, but it was really as a sort of fractional CMO. And that was one of the hardest things I think I've ever, like the leap of faith to do that. Am I am I a marketer that can survive outside of IBM? Am I successful because I've worked inside the system that I can operate well in? Um, and it turns out that there is life outside of IBM. And I was very proud of that jump. I think there are, and you know, no offense to anyone who stays in a role for a long time, but it was right for me. And that was, um, yeah, that was a big step. And I'm proud of that, I think, and what I've accomplished. So what really drove you to make that jump? Like, because obviously you were there for a long time, but was there anything that kind of you got to a certain point at a crossroad, really? That yeah, made you like, we need to make that decision. Yeah, I wasn't being challenged. I think yeah. I could see, you know, I was comfortable. I was com I was comfortable. I was operating at probably, I don't know, 40, <laughs> 50% because I knew yeah. how to operate in that. And um, I could sense in myself just a sense of boredom. And so I wanted to exit before that got really bad. And I hated the role and hated the company because I have a very soft, you know, big soft spot for IBM. And I think that's important knowing when, when to call that and for yeah. what reasons. And so for me, it was, yeah, time to try something else. And it's really good that you were able to identify that and make that change before it, it turned as well. 
yeah because quite yeah. often you get people that stay in roles for too long and then it kind of it creates a bit of toxicity yes and yes. they don't enjoy it anymore and then they're actually not it's not benefiting the company anymore so it's really good that you're able to identify that and challenge yourself in a different way yeah thank you and, and look just to add to that it's actually hard i think to get a role when you are toxic people can feel that when you're not happy and um i don't think that gives us a good vibe so so yeah i agree and um what what did you find most challenging i think in your, my in role, your new roles yeah i think as a so as a first time ceo and look let's just you know sway tech is not a massive company we've got about 10 people so i need to put that in context mm -hmm. but it's interesting i'm finding that you know for the first time in many 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 years there are things that i'm dealing with that i've never dealt with before and have no context to deal with which is okay but i'm also used to having colleagues at the same level Mm. or a boss or someone I can run things past. And I think CEOs, it is a very lonely place. And you hear that and I, I can attest to that. And I find that quite challenging where, you know, you can't go sharing with other people inside your organization some of the things that you're grappling with because um, that's, you know, the, your role is to grapple with that. Yet, where do those people go? And if you're a CEO running a very large company i can imagine and i can and i can see that and i have a lot more empathy now with some of our clients um, and the work that they have so that is is and has been very challenging but good challenging right because you've got to step outside and i think one thing new zealand does have is you know i've got a good network you've just got to learn to ask for help or yeah. go have those chats and i think sometimes we forget that and we just put our head down and try and deal with it ourselves so um always a good reminder to you know yeah. get out there in the network and I guess it's kind of like, you know, other marketers and CEOs, like if you're dealing with that issue, another CEO or another marketer will be dealing with it as well. So just having that a bit more of community to help each other out as well. Yeah, having those exactly. networks and having those conversations. And yeah. you, you Sometimes you feel alone, but, you know, there's other CEOs who are going through the same thing and understanding that sometimes the buck does end with you and how can you deal with that? Yep. Yep, you're so right. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> never a dull moment. <laughs> no, definitely. So um, we've talked about kind of your career and where you've got to where you are today. What piece of advice would you tell your younger self when you're starting out? I know that's probably you probably give yourself a lot of advice, but um, <laughs> just something that you would, if you could go back in time, what would you tell yourself? I think um, I because my career was a, resembled a little bit like a cork on the ocean kind of going where the current took me. I took a lot of fun roles, the roles that I really appealed to me um, and that resonated with me. But when I look back, I go, actually, there were some choices there where I, if I taken a different role, I think I would have broadened out some of my experience. Mm -hmm. So I think the younger, the younger self, Michael would be, don't just go for the fun roles. Think about, think about parts of your uh, career that you might want to try and it may not be fun but at least you're learning and i got a good piece of advice from a recruiter um who said look if you're looking at a role and you're not sure about it think about if you leave that role in 12 months how will that look on your cv in terms of adding breadth of experience mm -hmm. and making yourself more marketable to where you want to go a little bit more long term 
And that always really struck me. And I think, you know, it's not to say you should just take a role for your CV, but you should look at broadening out your marketing and sales experience. And sometimes that requires taking roles that might take you outside your comfort zone. And they're not permanent, but you'll learn some really good things there. Mm -hmm. So that would be the advice to my younger self. You mentioned that you got some that piece of advice from a recruiter, which is a really a key thing. Um, apart from recruiters, are there any other people in in your kind of environment or in your community that you think you should have taken advice from in regards to roles and where your career could head? Yeah, look, I just on a yeah personally, I'm. Um, I'd like to experience things myself. When I was mm-hmm. younger, I didn't often believe what people would tell me. Um, <laughs> sometimes they were more experienced, and I think that's something that comes with uh, age. But I did have a number of sort of senior, you know, people inside companies that I worked for that I guess were informal mentors, and I was open to them. I was open to listening to their advice, and they would not necessarily taking it, but listening, and they felt like. Um, they could provide that. And I think finding and looking for those people, and they're typically um, either upline, you know, like a, a, you know, a CMO, if you're, you know, within that team, or a GM or a CEO, or, or those are the people who can take the time to give you completely objective advice, because they're not living inside your world. Um, and that's really important part of fostering the network. And sometimes you need to hear the difficult things. So, you know, looking for those people who may not share your worldview, but have a view that can help build out your own uh, understanding of where you operate and how you might want to operate and what that future might look like. Um, so again, I think you'd be surprised where sometimes advice has come from. I've always been surprised as long as you remain open to it. Definitely. Thank you for that. Um... A lot of our listeners often ask about moving from mid-level marketing roles and they they talk to recruiters and that sort of thing. But with your experience um, and all of your range of different roles and things like that, what are some tips or advice you would pass on to them to help them make that change from that, that mid-level marketing to those more senior roles? Yeah, it's a good, it's a struggle. I, you know, I really remember, and I remember at IBM when I took that CMO role, or head of marketing comms citizenship. And I remember the shift from, you know, sitting down with my manager and going, great, these are the things I'm going to do this quarter. These are the things I did this quarter. This is the the things that I'm working on Mm. to enabling other people and being at a leadership team meeting and not reporting on the things that I have done, but the team has done and then directing them. And that's quite a big shift. Mm. So I think, you know, you've got to start off by just, you know, delivering like hell. You have to be able to to make stuff happen as a marketer and to earn the respect. And that's within your own swim lanes. And then I think, you know, at IBM, we had a lot of, um, you know, there's a lot of opportunity to work on special projects. I would always put my hands up for those to get closer to different stakeholders and different parts of the business to learn a little bit more and so I think that that is an important way of showing that you can deliver and do your own job, but also you're stepping up and out of into different areas and you're getting um, a bit of recognition for that additional work. So I think that's definitely kind of one of the, you know, the one of those pieces. But then, you know, there's this thing called strategy 
Brittany and everyone bandies it around and we all want to be strategic. Um, but really, when you're in a senior role, you, the, it is about strategic thinking. Mm-hmm. But what does that mean? And I remember, I remember um, it, it was actually in that role, I think. I got a, we, we had a yearly performance review and the CEO gave me um, probably just a very average review, but it was crushing because it was probably the worst review that I've had. And I remember the big piece of advice she said was, you are the CMO, you need to be out in the market. Yeah. You need to be networking. You need to be representing IBM, but you also need to be, uh, you know, building networks with marketers and our clients. And, mm. and I remember thinking, oh, I am so busy. Who has time to do that? But yeah. damn you, I'm going to go out and do it. And I'm going to stop doing some things. And I did. And that was a huge shift for me because suddenly you're bringing in external um, insight. And that's then as a senior leader, now you're beginning to bring those insights and guidance into those people inside your team. And that's quite a shift. Um, yeah. And I think that that helped me make that shift. Yeah. How did you, um, do you have any tips or ways that marketers can expand their network in their communities? And I know it's quite general because it could be what you did was specific to your role at IBM. But do you have any general tips on ways that marketers could try and work on expanding their network of marketers or just general professionals or communities yeah look because i think that can be quite a big challenge as well you know not only just having the time but knowing how to expand your network yeah look i think don't bore the ocean um so i because i did five or six years offshore when i when i came back in market i think it was 2018 I really wasn't known. I built no market, no network in New Zealand. So I joined the Marketing Association and got on the board and really kind of, but that was a very strategic decision for me to build my mark, my network with senior marketers. But mm. just picking a community. So say it's the Marketing Association and then going to the brainy breakfasts. Don't, you know, pick the ones that are relevant that you're interested in and then make sure you talk to three new people. Whatever that is, and I think it is really as simple as being deliberate, making a bit of a plan, and then going and throwing yourself into it. It is uncomfortable. I remember the number of events that I would go to on my own, and it's hard having to try and sidle up to people and um, ask questions and try and you know, but be inquisitive. Take the opportunity not to talk about yourself, but to find out what they're they're doing, and you would be surprised how quickly those face-to-face conversations can can go and then and i know this sounds simple but straight away afterwards follow up that person on linkedin and connect to them and you'd be surprised how quickly your social networks in those areas and your um, face-to-face networks can grow mm, especially christchurch as well it's such a, a village really um everyone <laughs> knows everyone so you start talking to people and there's a lot of common ground yeah and i think that's and it you know you'd be surprised how it, much you get out of as you said at the beginning either helping people or just learning about what they're doing and you know what's going on so yeah get out there yeah, and it's do kind that. of like that whole thing you don't know what you don't know so until you start talking to someone you actually yes. it expands it completely yeah 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 exactly that's exactly <laughs> it and and again you get a lot of energy i think from just having a different perspective so yeah definitely yeah um just moving on from that a little bit so we talked about moving from that mid-level to that more senior role, what do you think are the biggest challenges for top level marketers at the moment? You, you obviously you're working in a lot of different businesses and you deal with a lot of marketers. 
So I'd be quite keen to hear your thoughts on this. I reckon that one of the biggest challenges that we face is actually what is the role of marketing inside a company? And as much as I love digital marketing, I think digital marketing has done marketing a huge service and allowing us to be able to measure and have data and analysis. But it's also done us a disservice and then a number of CEOs and leadership teams feel that marketing is just digital or events. So I think the biggest challenge facing you know, senior marketers now is what is that role of marketing in, in delivering revenue growth, you know, having a seat at the top table, and then it's applying critical thinking, having the time, you know, all leaders at the moment are being asked to do more. So for marketers, having the time to have that critical thinking, to do competitive analysis, to think about the market, to look at industry trends, et cetera, um, and, and really own that seat at the top table, that being that, you know, voice to the market and the customer, and then how does that, you know, play out inside that organisation from a marketing perspective? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess that you, sometimes it's a struggle for CEOs to see the value of marketing. You've been on both sides of the table, having the marketing head on and the CEO head on. What are way, some ways that you think um, you could emphasise the importance of marketing for your business or an organisation? Yeah. I think the number one thing, and I'm not quite answering your question here, but cut out the jargon. Mm. We use too much jargon, and the and you can see CFO's eyes glazing over when we start talking, in our marketing speak, talk business. That yeah. we, we have to just talk business and learn the language of the business that you're in, and talk to CEOs and sales and CFOs and your chief product officers about business and you can couch that from a marketing perspective but whatever we do in marketing has to ladder up to the business results that's the number one thing that i think we have to be able to do the and i've fallen prey to this as well but we're really focusing at the moment on sway tech taking out that jargon and really making sure what we talk, you know we're talking the language of business we can talk marketing to ourselves and jargon yeah. everywhere at those networking events but yeah um, and I think if you do that, you you begin the CEO and the team sees you as a business function, not, mm. you know, the colouring and department. I hate to say that, but that's yeah. still out there. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, you can carry on, so I was about uh, to jump in there. <laughs> I was just going to say, and I think, you know, sometimes, sometimes in B2B, it is complicated. And in tech marketing, it, you know, it, there is a lot there and we want to show our leaders explain the breadth of our understanding and our capability and what we're doing but we need to simplify that message and you know again they don't it's like when you go to an event and the ceo goes my god that was you were you guys were amazing that looked awesome and you know that that was an incredible amount of work and all the detail etc that goes in behind it they don't need to know that we don't explain it to them about events well we shouldn't do it about you know account-based marketing or digital or um, you know, t- retargeting or whatever it is we're doing at that point. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it all just comes back to the customer. So yeah. CEOs just want the customer to be happy and for us to be growing and new product offerings or whatever that may look like. How you get there in the journey, it's all just noise to them. Yes. They that's just want exactly. the results. Yep, so that's, ex- that's, th- that's exactly where the focus right. needs to move to. Yep, exactly right. 
and I hate to bring it up, but I'm going to, and AI is really topical at the moment, and it's been a bit overused, and <laughs> every conversation is about AI, but I am really interested to talk to you around you and Swaytech, because you are talking to a lot of different companies, and what are you seeing in the market, and what is the mood of senior leaders around AI for their businesses? Yeah, so it is really topical. And so we have to talk about it. I think yeah. it's, a good, it's a good question. So, you know, um, I think it's it's a real mixed bag. I think if I'm honest, the commercial use cases are missing mm -hmm. for a lot of the clients that we're working with. And so, you know, you McKinsey does a paper and talks about how it can be used by sales teams to target, you know, hyper-personalization. But then the CEO goes, okay, great. Well, how... You know, how does that play out? How do we see that? How do I know that that's actually working? Is is it safe? How do we kind of move beyond this? Then you've got the flip side. Look, we heard a um, uh, there's a CEO in Australia who went and did a three-day course on how to prompt properly for um, generative AI, ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. And she came back and she made redundant her content writer her web developer and her designer. And now she's basically using, you know, ChatGPT and, and all of the plugins and some other tools to, to do that. And that's massively disruptive. I don't necessarily think that's the way to go or advocate for that. I think that's an example of the pendulum running, you know, too far the other way. But what it highlights to me is that people are not thinking strategically. They're either reacting to something like this, I'm gonna make wholesale changes, you know, in the short term, I'm sure she's seeing a huge reduction in the cost, but long term, she's, you know, on trip to the bottom of, you know, commoditizing all of how she looks and what they that brand's brand sounds like. So it's a hype machine, um, but actually, you know, we we kind of need to be still, you know, thinking about what it means. CEOs feel this is a distraction. It's really interesting, Brittany. I you know, we talk to CEOs, they've got, there's so much pressure at the moment, especially those tech companies growing offshore, where they're yeah. competing, you know, they may have been 12 months in the US and suddenly they're downturn and they're feeling that and they're having to compete, you know, in larger markets. And this idea of how do we utilize, uh, you know, AI is really, they feel it's a distraction. Um, and I'm, and I, and I kind of, I, I sympathize with this, but I really do believe, and we say this to our clients, that the CEO must lead this pivot inside the organization. But if they don't have they don't have the appetite or the time, um, and that's what we're seeing with some clients, I think that is, you know, that is a challenge. Though, you know, you look at Justin, um, the work that he's doing and the, you know, the the numbers that are in his workshop. So clearly yeah. there's a large group who are going, I need help with this. And I think that's kind yeah. of where we, I feel like we're at today. And it's across all um, industries like Justin did, we, the company I work for, we do aged care and retirement village software, so we're in the healthcare sector. And he did an AI talk at one of the conferences there. And especially in kind of the health sector with privacy and around data it's yes. imperative yeah and i and i look and i think that's it and i think you know the the real message here for ceos is about being a you know adaptability if, if you are not looking at what's coming down in your industry in your you know from your competitors in terms of how you can compete then you're not going to survive that you know it is about being 
how adaptable can you be to what's going on? Mm. And I'll really say to CEOs, you know, don't worry about the, you know, don't worry about the how. So don't worry about how AI will work. Think about what AI can achieve for your company. And that's a very different conversation. The how should come from the domain leaders, marketing. Mm. How does AI, how do we use it specifically inside, you know, um, targeting or hyper-personalization or content creation? But the CEO has got to think about the what. What do we use it for? What can it be done? If I think they focus on that and explore and lean in and ask those questions in line with their strategy, then I think you'll begin to move your organization to think a little differently and there'll be permission for, for teams to start to experiment. Wow. Well, thank you for all of those points. It's really um, really interesting to hear what you, the feedback that you've been getting from people as well. Um, we talked a little bit about the marketing function for AI and the CEO's role, the CEO role around it. How do you think AI will change the way we look at the marketing function and even other functions in the business? Yeah, I think there's, you know, from a marketing perspective, it's really about, you know, we should be able to do more with what we have today. Um, and so I think it's about lifting the bar. I think in, you know, in every single function, we, we should have the ability to be able to be, you know, do things faster, more accurate with less cost. And I'm not talking about taking people out, but I'm talking about efficiency. I think for junior and intermediate marketers, there's the risk that um, they're, they're, you know, if you're a content writer, there's the risk that a CEO could go like the one in Australia, hey, look, I don't need you. I can do chat GPT. Mm. Yeah. So, so the, the the opportunity there is that where a content writer was creating a blog and three LinkedIn posts a week, they should now be able to using ChatGPT to take that blog, turn it into a mini campaign in a newsletter, you know, five different LinkedIn posts. And, and we should see an increase in outputs based on quality inputs, though. And that's mm -hmm. where you do need a human to be able to sanity check. So I think we'll see you know, the different ways that AI can help all parts of the business. Um, but I think, again, it's going to come down to where does it make sense? And I, I think from a marketing perspective, one of the things that we have to be aware of is this brand experience and our customer experience. Mm -hmm. um, I was listening to a podcast recently and it was an American woman talking about you know, what's changed in creating go-to-market strategy? What are the top five areas that she sees as change when you're creating a go-to-market strategy? The number one area for her was delivering an exceptional customer experience. Now, that is not something that we've focused on in a go-to-market before. Yeah. But if you think about it, um, that, you know, when you're entering a brand new market, how the brand is experience is really important. AI can really help here with that in terms of thinking about hyper-personalization, about how do you deliver and customize the data that's inside your business? How do you build that out to be able to ensure that that, you know, sort of single view of the customer, um, you, you know, plays out, but mm. also search. So if you're entering a new market, you know, search is, is key but we're already beginning to search on chat gpt with the bing the bing plugin mm. what does that mean for how we structure our websites what does that mean for the technical teams building 
our, you know, web development, etc. I think there's a lot of areas where we, we marketing can't solve it on our own, mm. but but bringing together the different parts of the business to be able to to solve that, and that goes right through to finance because you're going to need to spend some dollars to potentially think about what does that mean? How do we deliver that customer experience? How do we use the data that we have? Um, and that sits across all parts of the business. Definitely, and it's it's going to be a team effort, really. You know, rather than just having marketing looking in one area, everyone has to see how it works together. Yeah. The whole journey of the customer. Yep. Yep. And that's where look, and that's where data is going to be king. I mean, the ability for for generative AI to crunch data is incredible. But if we're not organizing our data, if we're not collecting data, if we're not pulling together data from MailChimp, from you know Google GA4, from um, our CRM and our marketing automation tools and thinking about, you know, customer engagement and then allowing the each, you know, generative AI to be able to pull together the data and the insights for that, you know, hyper segmenting and targeting and being able to use things like, um, you know, even digital twins now, you know, again, not a new thing, but something that pulls product and marketing and sales together by, you know, being able to test different marketing strategies by looking at a new tech rollout of a product and allow you to visualize those product features and, and look at the different market reactions and then thinking about that personalized customer experience to onboard to that product. Ultimately then, you know, how do you craft an incredible marketing campaign? That's before the products in market. Mm -hmm. now, now you're talking about you know, how AI pulls together the different parts of the business, not just marketing, to really deliver on that customer experience, which will deliver revenue down the line, which is what your CEO wants to see. Definitely. And touching on what the CEO wants to see, regarding the adoption of AI for CEOs and companies, if you're a marketer, how can we support CEOs in this or um, help them in any, any, any way? Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, reducing the noise. You know, it's really at a height. I mean, everywhere on LinkedIn at the moment, I'm getting carousel and, you know, just, <laughs> and it's overwhelming. I, you know, we switch off. You have to. And I think so for helping a CEO, it's about leaning in and helping them understand when it works and when it doesn't work. Um, mm -hmm. You know, one of the things I just recently tested this SEO plugin in ChatGPT. Mm -hmm. And then validated, they got our web developer to validate that in terms of what it was telling me and how I would need to optimize the Swaytech site. Well, yeah. it doesn't do a very good job, um, okay. which is not surprising, but it was good to be no. able to, to validate that use case. So yeah. I think it's about, you know, helping CEOs lean in, be experimental in the areas that are already aligned to your strategy. But the arena yeah. here will be around customer experience and, and the KPIs will be around the quality and the value of that experience. But also it's about being human and remembering how do you bring the culture and the values of your organization to life and that AI can help do that in different ways, but you've still got to have that basis and that is the job of the CEO. And I think that then again lends itself to that, you know, what is that single view of the customer? How do we how do we deliver that across the business so that our customers love us, buy more from us, and refer us? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's got to be on the mind of the CEO. So simplify it, reduce the noise, offer. You know, I reckon 
Hurricane marketing is in a great place to be able to offer to to run some special projects linked to the business strategy. You know, as we come into 2024, and you know, marketers now we are typically done for this year. We we can't affect any new pipe really in 2023. Maybe we can progress some opportunities, but we're already looking to next year, and we're thinking about the strategy then what are some of the special projects that sit across the entire business, not just marketing, that may help either validate some of the assumptions or some pilots and special projects that might want to be built in as part of the 2024 planning. So again, I think the CEOs will find that quite helpful. And I think just adding on that, quite often in marketing, you're quite separate from the different functions in a business so sales for example you're quite mutually exclusive and you work on your sort of thing but I think moving forward with AI and where it is heading you know it's just going to be one team working together to get the result and to understand how AI is going to help the whole business. I think that's key and you're right and we marketing's really well placed you know, we have to be, you know, you can't market in a vacuum. And so marketing, <laughs> by its very nature, right, it pulls together sales yeah. and product and customer success. And I think the AI presents a good opportunity, as you say, to, to pull those parts of the business together. And look, the CEO's job is to ensure that KPIs and, and planning delivers outcomes that are not siloed. The bigger the company, the harder that gets. But I think we are an ally in helping the CEO bang you know, leaders' heads together to say, look, it's not about the success in your function, it's about the success of the business. And what does that mean? How could AI help us in that regard, deliver, you know, whatever it is we need to do? So, yeah, some exciting times. Not, not, you know, I think it's, I think it's going to be challenging. And I think that the big challenge I see for many small tech companies is a lack of resource. Like everyone's running around doing a million things. And you can't just add new AI projects into the mix. You, what yeah. are you going to stop doing, right? Um, and I reckon the game's going to be won around the data. How? And I come back to that. But you know, in the future, we expect personalised experiences. We're going to expect that more and more. And to do that as a company, you've got to have the data in one place, and it's got to be secure, and it's got to be accessible. Um, by different parts of the business um, to be able to pull out the insights and act on it. But that requires tech, tech, you know, the the dev teams to be in line. That requires security. That requires, you know, a data-driven approach and a value in data. And I think a lot of client, company tech clients haven't necessarily got that sophistication yet. And that's something I think marketers are going to have to really either struggle with or help with. Yeah, and it's definitely those smaller tech companies that, Potentially, you have roles that have a lot of different hats, um, and they may not have like individual roles for specific areas. And having a few people that do a lot of different jobs, and yeah. having that resource will be a massive challenge for them. I think. Yeah, that's yeah, spot on. And you know, yeah. that's the challenge. You're just adding more and more in there to these poor people <laughs> who are doing a million things as, as well. But yeah, and that's where I think market is our biggest weakness is that we can't say no we say yes and we're probably going to have to get a bit better at saying no or yeah. saying yes but this is what we will stop doing to do that and and being yeah. really ruthless with the things that we work on um and that's going to be a challenge but i think that's going to have to do it and you know yeah, I put myself in that boat. 
I think AI definitely will be prioritised and it, it's coming and it's here and we just need to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, do you have any final comments about AI that you want to let our listeners be, if you just had one statement or something you wanted to leave them with for them to remember from this, this um, podcast, what would it be? Yeah, look, the principles of marketing don't change. We've we got to bring it back to the customer. We've got to understand the customer. We've got to understand the market. And it, it is about being human. And when we market to and when we sell to, we, we're doing that to humans. And we've got to remember what that means. And I really, you know, at Sway Tech, we talk about this marketing mindset. And, and for us, that's about organizations having a customer-centric view and, and having a view that marketing is an investment to be made to help the business get to where it wants to go. When I, you know, think about AI, that should be at the front of what we do. AI sits underneath that. It doesn't lead that. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for coming along, Michael. You've shared some fantastic insights, and I'm sure all our listeners feel the same. If you have any questions for Michael or future episodes, please get in touch. Michael, where can our listeners reach you? LinkedIn. Reach, go reach me on LinkedIn, Michael Friedberg. I think I'm probably the only one in New Zealand with that name. <laughs> so you can find me there and yeah, happy to look. And I, I make a, a, an offer here. I love getting out, meeting new people. I'm happy to have some conversations, um, whether they are digital or face-to-face. So, you know, here's an opportunity. Thanks so much. And if you'd like to reach out to us at the Tech Marketers Group, you'll find our website and social accounts in the show notes. For more NZ Tech Marketing content, be sure to like this episode and give us a follow. Until next time.